Reina. What's up, soccer fans? Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar, and I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. Nihal, if you were a dual national, I, I guess you are a dual national, but if you were a dual national, who would you play for? What international team would you play for? Yeah, we're, we're, we're both dual nationals our, by way of our parents and our grandparents. We could, we're eligible for the United States men's national team and the Indians men's national team, India men's national team. Um... Honestly, I think it would be a harder decision for me than for you because I think, well, one, I think I probably have a stronger connection to India. I don't know. You might want to argue with me on that. Yeah, I mean, that, that might be beyond this podcast pay grade, but, <laughs> but um, at the, definitely you have a stronger connection to the team, for sure. Yeah, even though you've worked in Indian soccer. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. For like a second division, non-primary league team, that is true. But shout out Fata Hyder by the AFC if you're listening to this. <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> I think I'd be like, you know, in this scenario, am I a good player? Am I, am I someone who's like good, or would I just uh, okay? Would, would, would I just be like I'm in the U.S. national team pool? Well, here's the deal, right? You 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 take what you were at your at your high school level and you scale it. So like, I mean, if you're your best high school player on your on your team, then you can be messy. You can be have the talent level of Messi in this situation. But you were probably not one of the best players on your high school team. I didn't play high school soccer. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I'm not going to take your indoor soccer team because that's just cheating. And no, 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 no. No, no, Wait a second. Wait a second. It's not traditional indoor soccer. It was just a soccer field inside. They were still out of bounds. <laughs> okay, whatever. <laughs> Wait, oh, there was out of bounds. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but you're not playing on real grass. You don't have to feel the heat. Well, okay, I mean, I mean the Seattle different. Sounders don't play on real grass. Does that mean they're not a team? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I... <laughs> okay, so I'm a, okay. We'll say like I'm a mid-level player, right? I'm like a, I'm a, I'm a good MLS player. Let's let's go you with would, that. You would probably you would be a, probably the best player on India's national team, but not on the U.S.'s national team. But would I play for the U.S.? Okay. You have to earn your way up. Okay, I guess I guess if I wasn't, it wouldn't even be a choice, would it? Um, Right. So I think what I would do, honestly, is I'd be like, you know, Greg, I'm, I'm committed to the U.S. national team long term, but uh, it's been my dream to play for India as well. So I'm going to accept a call up to a couple friendlies in India and everyone would know it won't be like Indian fans or like, you know, super. Yeah, well, maybe that's mean. I don't know. But I, <laughs> I, I, I would. Yeah, I would want to play for India. Also, I feel like that could just. You, you could decide that ahead of time, and then you could meet the people at the national team, and then you could definitely change your mind after playing a game. I, I don't. I Based on the team. <laughs> I also... I, I, You're I, burning I, some bridges here, you know. I like India a lot, yeah, but I don't want to travel there every international window. <laughs> so I think, I think I would, you know, play for them once, play for the Blue Tigers, link up with Sunil Chetri, score a couple goals... And then uh, be on my way to the U.S. men's national team. So, you know, when you go to my Wikipedia, it'll say India 2. And then below it, it would say <laughs> USA 200. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you look at a lot of international players, they, like, if they play for a team that isn't very good, let's say, or they play, let's say they play in a big league, but don't play for a great national team, sometimes they do just 
I think generally should, don't show much enthusiasm and that can sometimes show in like the amount of appearances they've had or the amount of times they actually do accept call-ups like so I feel like you can just use that knowledge and maybe understand that like maybe you wouldn't be that enthusiastic to play for India uh every time if you if well, you were look if I could bring like glory to the Indian national team and just be like an absolute legend I mean that is something to yeah, but this isn't basketball though I mean how how, how are you doing that what do you mean, how am I doing that? It's, you know, we, we, we bring home a couple AFC Cups. We qualify for okay. one World Cup. <laughs> sure, maybe that you could do. Maybe one player could do that. I mean, you know, it's... Well, India's national team is up and coming a little bit. I, I think in, a, in one or two World Cups, they'll, they'll be there. At, at, at the World Cup, not... Well, that's the, you that's know. the kiss of death because, I mean, I, I was told that the U.S. was going to... Wait, what did your... I forgot what your big claim was, but anyways, it did not happen in the 2018 World Cup as we did not qualify. <laughs> Look, I was, I, was four, I was four years too early. I was four years too early, right? I, I knew we were on the, on the brink of a golden generation, but it's here now, and that's, that's what matters. Um, Hopefully. Well, yeah, I guess we don't know anything. But no, you're right. Like, But I mean, there are players who like choose to play for, you know, lesser national teams that could play for larger national teams. I mean, Serginio Des for us is one. Um, but, you know, uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang plays for Gabon instead of France, uh, which is interesting. Um, I mean, there's a lot of players like that. So Yeah, there are. You know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much, how much Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang puts into the Gavinese national team um so yeah i don't know it's a good question though it's a good question who who would you play for oh absolutely the u.s okay i i I, I, there's something i I definitely like i i definitely sometimes feel maybe more bad than i should just thinking about players like getting a break off from their games i know they're making a lot of money or whatever in europe but then like going just traveling all the way to the U.S., probably a little jet-lagged, having to play two games, play with a bunch of players they've never played with, and then go back and then play again in cup games and domestic league games. Just just generally... So so that would be even worse if I had to travel all the way to India, I feel like, assuming I'm playing, like, in MLS or something like that. But I guess... Well, maybe, I mean, yeah, if you're, in, if you're in Europe, it's, like, the same almost. Yeah, it is. I guess it is the same. But I mean, it's not. If you're playing on the east coast of the U.S., this is probably this is a riveting conversation. <laughs> really getting in the minutiae here, but I, I, I basically, but, but, but my other point connected to that, I guess, is I wouldn't mind just not being called up to the U.S. men's national team because I don't know. I feel like ah, uh, uh, so you're so you're a Darlington Nagby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I don't, I don't know how the pay scaling exactly works, but you're, you're not, you're not getting paid by game, right? No, you, you are getting paid by game. Okay, well, you, you get a bonus. Maybe you don't want to play with Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna? You want to keep playing in MLS? <laughs> yeah, no, okay, if I'm in MLS, then yeah, then you're right. But if I was in Europe, then I, I'm saying that I wouldn't mind not being good enough for the U.S. men's national team and getting a little bit less of a role if, if it uh, meant maybe getting a few more international breaks off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, why, as, as, as I host a podcast yeah, about U.S. Soccer. Seriously, why, why don't why don't we get into why don't we get into the match that happened today? Um. All right. The U.S. took on Panama following their zero zero draw against Wales in Austria around seven forty five local time, two forty five <laughs> Eastern time, and they got a good win, six to two. 
wasn't looking pretty to start after they conceded a goal in the eighth minute, but um, we didn't have any goals to talk about in this game, but in the last game, but we definitely did in this game, y'all. Yeah, eight goals. Uh, it was a fun game. I think that's the most fun I've had watching the U.S. men's national team maybe maybe ever, honestly. I, I can't think of a time where I was just having that much fun. I feel um, like for a friendly, yes. For a friendly, I, I would agree, but I mean, like, come on, John Brooks's goal does exist. Yeah, yeah, I meant for the entirety of a match, though. I mean, like, Ghana, I was just nervous the entire time. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, but that being said, I, I think what that speaks to is just the how exciting these these players are. And, and, and what I'm really saying is I've never seen the U.S. men's national team play the way they did today, honestly, in possession the freedom in which they played with, the ease in which they were able to move the ball and beat the defenders. I mean, you know, as far as I can tell, this was a Panama, you know, pretty much a team. I mean, there might be a couple of players missing there, but um, this, there's a lot of players that, uh, you know, will be playing for them in World Cup qualifying. So it's, it's a team that you're going to have to play in CONCACAF qualification. Um, and, you know, a lot of these guys are, are sort of are trying to make a statement. And if, if, if Yunus Musa does decide to play for the U.S., this is our starting midfield. Um, I mean, unless someone even more incredible breaks through, this is going to be our starting midfield for the next, you know, 10, 12, 15 years, which is yeah, so exciting. Awesome. The, fir- the first thing when the- when this lineup dropped, and I think I even said this on the last podcast, was I wanted to see that midfield get more reps together, and I wanted to see it again. I mean, I mean, obviously, like you said, we, we need to hope and that Musa does, in fact, want to play for the U.S., but, right. I mean, they looked all even more in sync today and looked even better Absolutely. than they did against Wales. Absolutely. Well, why don't we talk about the starting lineup then, since, since you just mentioned it. Um, you want me to take right. it? Uh, I can go ahead and take it. Okay. Okay, so in the in goal, of course, you had Zach Steffen. The back line from the left back to the right back, we had Sergino Dest at left back. Two center backs were Tim Ream and Matt Miazga. Reggie Cannon at right back. Uh, that switch that Nihal has been talking about and wanted to see. And spoiler alert, I think I think I think that was a good a good shout. Uh, Musa, Adams, and McKenney in the midfield. Adams in that deeper lying role. McKenney and Musa ahead of him. Uh, Reina on the right wing. Nicholas Giacchini on. At striker and Uliana's at uh, left wing. So, I mean, that's how it's listed. I think Gio Reyna spent most of his time on the left wing, though, especially in the first half. Yep, that is uh, true, now that I think about it. Yep. Yeah, and, and Uli sort of went to the right. Um, yeah, so a couple of changes. Uh, Nico Giochini comes in for uh, Sebastian Legette. Uliana's comes in for Conrad De La Fuente. Reggie Cannon comes in for Anthony Robinson and switches uh, sides. Serginho Des switches sides. And Tim Ream came in for John Brooks. So I believe that's four changes, I want to say. Yeah, four changes for, for the U.S. after the last game. Um, and you could... Well, the lineup, I guess we're talking about the lineup. So I honestly, I didn't see the lineup because I was in a meeting. Um, well, I was, I was driving back from COVID testing I had to drop off the COVID test at the lab, and then I had like a meeting right when I got back. So I actually ended up missing the first ten minutes of this game. So um, I, I didn't really see the lineup until until it started. I got a Bleach Report notification that I forget what it said, um, but 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it was fine. I think I would have liked to see Chris Richards. That would have been my only gripe with this lineup. Um, start for the U.S. Uh, you know, Tim Ream. I, I, I'm just not a big fan of Tim Ream. So, um, I, I didn't think he played exceptionally well in this game either. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I don't, I guess we didn't, we didn't really, we, you know, we're still rusty. I, I guess we didn't really lay out the, the podcast today. Um, but I mean, what were your initial thoughts on the starting lineup? Let's just start there. I mean, I was totally fine with it. I mean, the, honestly, the first thing that I, that stood out to me was that uh, we were playing a real striker, striker Nicholas Giacchini in this game, as opposed to Sebastian Legette against Wales. But uh, <laughs> I mean, Sebastian Legette does end up looking like a striker in this game. <laughs> After he scores that, I mean, poachers finish uh, in the 90th minute. But, um, yeah, that was the first thing that uh, that stuck out to me. Like I said, I wanted to see that midfield say the same. I agree with you. I would have rather seen Chris Richards. And it was definitely good to see Des at left back and Cannon at right back. Um, just get two co- fullbacks that I'm more confident in. Because uh, Anthony Robinson, I did not like his showing in the last game. But like we both talked about, he, he might be important going forward given, you know, the club he's at. And, uh, but yeah, and I, and I also like Yanez didn't get much run in the last game. It was good to see him out there. I was fine with that. Um, and I didn't like Conrad's performance so much. So I was cool with that too. Yeah, I, I thought I thought Uli, Uli played well. So why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we break it down by position group um, or like forwards, midfield, a defender slash goalkeeper and just talk about the performances and then maybe, or do you want to talk about overall tactics first? Um, what do you think? Uh, uh, we can go position groups. Okay, let's do that. I think we can sort of interweave the tactics into that. So where do you want to start? You want to start at the back or the front? Uh, let's start at the front. Okay, so I mean, like you said, you know, uh, Gio Reyna uh, and Ulianas were playing on the wings with Joaquini in the middle. I, so I didn't want, again, I didn't watch the first 10 minutes. Was Reyna on the right to start the game? Was that like a switch that happened in, do you know? I know you were in class too, so it's not like you were <laughs> able to pay that much attention. Um, I, I don't think, yeah, uh, I wasn't, yeah, I was in class, but I, I definitely, yeah, I, I don't, if, if he was, then I think Yanez was only on the left for like the first 10 minutes or so. Definitely in, in that, in that goal in the 17th minute, uh, yeah, uh, um, Giannis was on the right. Yeah. I started watching in the 10th minute. Yeah, so, yeah. so I, yeah. So I knew from then on he was on the right. Anyway. Like you said, you know, I think we definitely needed a striker. And Gio Reyna alluded to it after the game, and, and so did Greg Berhalter. They, they both sort of talked about how they were sort of missing a striker's runs um, in the box. And something that Greg uh, specifically mentioned was, uh, you know, line-breaking runs, which is something that just did not happen in, in the pre, in the last game, right? So when, when one of our, our midfielders picked up the ball um, high up the pitch or when Gio Reyna picked up the ball, no one was really making those line-breaking runs, right? It was people just dropping and looking for the ball. Um, so no one was trying to get in behind, essentially, is what I mean. Um, and I think, uh, you know, Ulianas did a really good job of that. Giochini's movement in the box was, was really good. Um, and, you know, we'll get more into it. But I, I even think some of our midfielders and, and the fullbacks, or namely Sajina Dest, did a good job of making some of those runs. Um but yeah, I mean, and I think Reyna looked a lot better on the left. I, I don't know if that has to do more with him being on the left or with him being, you know, uh, playing with players that, that more suit his his play style. Um, you know, I, 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 I still think that you want Christian Pulisic on the left. I don't think you want him 
on the right side. But, you know, I mean, you can switch him mid-game. I mean, right. you know, at the beginning Depending of the... Depending on who the fullback is guarding them and right. marking them and, yeah. Right, and at the beginning of the second half, Reyna actually did start on the right. So, um, you know, I mean, obviously that can that can be fluid, but um, I do think Reyna is, is probably better, you know, cutting inside and dropping deep and, and looking for, uh, an, um, you know, across from the top of the box on the left side. Um, so I thought all three played well. Joe Keeney, obviously, you know, not obviously, but he got the brace. Uh, he got two goals in his, not his debut, but his first start for the U.S. men's national team. Um, Reyna, yeah. Reyna yeah. also scored a goal. It was, it was the our first goal. It was a free kick. Yep. And then Joe Keeney scored two in quick succession. So, um, you know, obviously you have to say that they, they, they played, uh, they played really well. Um, um, the entire front line, um, you know, Gio Reyna got a goal. Joaquini got a, two goals. Joaquini obviously missed the penalty that, that uh, he took yeah. to get the hat trick. Um, none of the starting front three had an assist, but, uh, you know, they, I thought they linked up pretty well. Ulianez, uh, probably the most uh, anonymous player on the front three in this game, but I thought he played well. And I think... What Uli did really well in this game, and we sort of talked about this with Gio last time um, in trying to do too much. Uli kind of has done that too, especially the last time he started for the men's national team back in January. And, you know, remember last last week I was saying, you know, he doesn't pick his head up enough. He's, he's sort of looking down at the ball and trying to beat his man all the time. I thought he did a really good job of playing simple balls and playing forward and sort of being uh, an engine in the buildup, right? He was, he was, he was, Finding the right pass that would propel the team forward, which I think is huge for Uli because he obviously has an incredible amount of on-ball talent. But if he can combine that with, um, you know, situational and tactical awareness, I think he can be, you know, an incredible player for the U.S. men's national team. And then you have a real, you know, you have a uh, not an embarrassment of riches, but you have three guys who can play on the wing um, and and play on the wing really well. Um, so, you know, I'll, I'll stop rambling here. What, what did you think of the front three? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think that first goal from open play, that, that 22nd minute goal really kind of shows them all three at work. I mean, McKenney wins the ball upfield, uh, gets the ball to Gio Reyna, who's playing in a more central role at that point. And uh, he plays to Uli Lainez on the right, and Yanez takes a strike, and Giochini just follows it up. And, I mean, Giochini just... Beautiful presence, beautiful awareness on both those goals. That that second goal from open play, I thought was really... I thought that was just a super cool goal because I think it it was... There was adjustments that needed to be made during the play. Um, so Tyler Adams plays a through ball to McKenney, who And, and McKenney has to sprint to get this and barely gets the cross in. And the cross is not perfect by any means. And Miazga makes a nice adjustment in the air to head it back into the six-yard box. And Giacchini is able to make a nice adjustment himself and just deliver a pretty nice header into the left corner of the net. So I, I just, I really, it really felt like that's the type of goal that it's not, it wasn't the prettiest. Like, it's not like everything worked well and was clicking, but players made the right adjustments. They had the, they had perfect effort, perfect energy and perfect focus. And uh, they were just able to convert. I think that more broad. That was a vintage Dominic Calvert-Lewin goal right there. 
That reminded yeah. me, you know, one of those like one touch finishers in the box. I and mean, we could use those, honestly, like that. That's a, a quality we need. And frankly, we haven't had. And I'm sorry, I'll let you continue. But, you know, I, I've said this many times on the podcast in, in previous years. People think that Josie Altidore is that kind of forward. He is not that type of forward, right? You know, he, he likes to be on the ball. He likes to drop deep and pass it. He, he, he's not the type of person, he's not the type of striker that's always, that's just, just going to be in the box and, and scoring headers or, you know, scoring one-touch finishes. That's not who he is. I mean, if you remember when he played with uh, Jovinko at Toronto FC, he was playing deeper than Jovinko, right? And Jovinko would be yeah, making those yeah. runs off of him. So I don't, we haven't had really a striker like that. I mean, it's really only been Josie for the past 12 years. I, I think Wando is like... I mean, a good striker like that. Okay. <laughs> um, like, like a, sorry, a starting a starting caliber striker. I mean, br- yeah. Brian... Are you talking about one of the highest goal scorers in MLS history? Is, is he the highest goal I think scorer? he is the highest now, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, Brian McBride, I can't claim I saw him play that often, but I feel like he was more in that mold than, than Josie Altidore. Um, and but, I think, I, I mean, I, I do, I agree with you that Josie definitely, there is kind of a misconception about who he is as a player. But I think sometimes he, I think he does have the finishing ability and like the awareness to be able to sometimes play that role. I think oftentimes the USMNT had a weak, oftentimes two man midfield that Josie had to come and help facilitate build up play. And that kind of minimized his ability as a finisher. I just think that him and, and Dempsey occupy the same space too often. And like obviously Dempsey is the one true. you wanted on the ball, so I mean we don't have to talk about the previous <laughs> the previous US team, but uh, yeah, there's seventy other podcasts for that. Well, yeah, I, I, Josie, I mean, is probably going to be a part of this team going forward, though. And, and my point is, I put I put Josie. I, I'm not gonna. He's not a false nine, but I think Nico Jochini and um, Sebastian Soto, like those are traditional, uh, quote-unquote, number nines. Josh Sargent's sort of a hybrid, I would say, maybe. I mean, I think that's how I would describe him. Um, and I think Josie's more, like, if it's a spectrum and Josh Sargent's in the middle and, and Joe Keeney and Soto are on the right, I would say, you know, uh, is a little bit on the left towards the false nine. I think that might be a hot take, but I, I think that's sort of how I view it right now. And then you have, you know, Jassy Zardes, who I don't even, I think he's, more in the traditional mold too so um he is much more of a one-touch finisher yeah i remember a game against you don't want him taking a second touch he had a couple like striker striker goals when he was actually he was actually playing striker for the u.s who uh, rather than on the wing jassy's artist i think he was playing on the wing in that game was he okay yeah i mean i'm not 100 sure you're talking about a comeback yes yes that's the one yeah, yeah. When you were on the toilet and I heard you screaming when we scored, <laughs> <laughs> that is that is what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I th- I think I think it, it does say something that five out of six of our goals today, all the goals from open play were headers. I mean, there was that finishing touch tonight, and I I honestly think that uh, Orlando Mosquera didn't have a great game. I think there were a couple of those last goals. I think. He could have been in a better position. He's and the Escobar and Le- he's what? a Panama goalkeeper for those of you. Yes, who yes, know. yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- th- there were some goals that I, I just don't know if you're getting some of these goals uh, versus 
better opposition. But I mean, you could say that about, I guess, any goal. But uh, okay, who do you have to play, right? Who do you have to play to get to the World Cup? Panama, Panama, Costa Rica, Mexico. Like, like <laughs> the, the thing is, we have such a hard time. I feel like just scoring those type of goals and qualifying, right? Like, the, for me, the best person to score a goal like that in the past two qualifying cycles was probably Bobby Wood, and that's scary to me. So, like, yeah. you, you want players who can do that. And honestly, like, you know, if you are the if you are not the better team and you, you're not going to have possession, you're not going to have the majority of the possession, you're also going to need to score goals like that, right? Like, you, you know, against Belgium in the World Cup, you would have wanted a finisher like that that would have been able to capitalize on some of those opportunities. So... You know, I think, yes, while it would have been nice to see us play on the ground and, and score some beautiful goals, in a lot of ways, the buildup to our header goals were that, right? Yeah, I, th- I think less so in the second half. I think there was Agreed. a bit more... What? Agreed. Yeah, like specifically the uh, the goal off the 87th minute goal, Tim Way, I just played a short corner to Cannon, who just... I mean, plays a great ball in the light yet, but that's not... That really had had nothing to do with like amazing buildup or anything. No. But in the first half, yeah, I mean, like that header that I just described, that was Tyler Adams to McKenny to Miazga. That touches three or four bodies in, in quick right. succession. So, or yeah, even, I mean, even Reina's goal, like that, that that was, uh, you know, that was that was some really nice buildup play. Yeah, Musa Musa was did a great job to draw the free kick out to the penalty area, and yeah, that was a right. Just I'm gonna talk about it while I'm there. That was a nice low driving free kick. From Reyna and Orlando Mosquera did get a touch to that. Maybe he should have saved it, but it was a good. It was a good take. A really good take by Reyna. And yeah, I, I think I, w- I would that that elevates Reyna's performance today because, like you said, I think he there was times where he just did not look great. Was trying to do maybe a little too much at points, and I thought there was less of that in this game, to be honest. But he's just not impressing me at the. I expected a little bit better out of him in these two games, and maybe I shouldn't have, but. Regardless, he's such a good talent that you can't really like. There's some guys you got to call up even if they're not playing amazing for a national team, and Reyna's one of them. When you know how talented he is, I mean, I think his best position is is in the midfield. So, I mean, if Musa does not end up picking the U.S., I guess maybe you could drop him in there. But I, I, I thought he played okay today. I thought he was good, honestly. I, I think to me, what I wanted to see was him not just take on defenders, not just try to take on defenders every single time. I wanted him to, you know, do what I was ta- praising Uli for, which was was play a little bit forward, which I think he did. Um, I think a lot of our players felt like they could beat a lot of the Pan- Panamanian players one-on-one. I mean, every single midfielder did it at least once um, in this game. So I, I, yeah, I mean, I can see where you're coming from. To me, I, I didn't really have any, I thought he was in the first half, Particularly, maybe the second half. I agree with you, but in the first half, yeah, I thought, I thought in the second half he was weaker. In the first half, I thought he was doing a really good job of, of orchestrating play on that left side and sort of overwhelming the Pan- Panamanian right side with Musa, Reyna, and Dest. Like that is a pretty scary left side. Yeah. And um, I guess he did. I mean, directly contribute to two of those first three goals, which is a big deal. For sure. For sure. Um, and I didn't get, I didn't finish my thought last time, but what I was saying was for, in terms of headers, we are playing with a striker that is a more traditional striker. So play to his strengths, right? Get it to his head if you can, 
you 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 break down the defense with your great build-up play, and then you serve up a nice ball for your for your number nine. Um, and I think that's what they did. So I do understand the concern, though. It would have been nice to see one open play goal on the ground, I guess. Um, but I mean, I guess it's not really even a concern that you said. You were yeah. just, it was just not. No, no, I don't think it's a concern. It's just I, I think that yeah, it's almost a good thing because if we just if we haven't been able to do that in the past, and I think there's enough flexibility from the types of headers we were getting. Like I said in the first half. Uh, Oh, wait, actually, I'm, I was wrong about that. I guess four out of five of the open play goals. My, my bad, because Giochini's, uh first goal actually Oh, was yeah, it was a rebound. Yeah. Wasn't a, I mean, it wasn't a pretty – that. I mean, it was it was a good build-up, but it was off a, off a rebound. Uh, the other four were headers. Uh, but I, I think it's good that uh, maybe the second-half goals were a little more direct, showing us to break down a box where I, I think in the second half it did look like Panama were just dropping deeper, putting more more men back. And it was, it was we had to make do of less counterattacking opportunities, and it looked like we were able to capitalize on counterattacking opportunities in the first half and more uh, more opportunities against ten man behind the ball in in the second right. half. So. Right. And what I really enjoyed is you know Jose uh, Fajardo scored both goals. He scored the first goal in the eighth minute, and then in the next eighteen minutes, the U.S. scored three goals. He then scores again in the 79th minute, and in the next 12 minutes, the U.S. scores three goals. <laughs> so they did a really good job of, of responding. So Fajardo's the man of the match for the U.S. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Uh, I guess so. Yeah, I mean, we could, well, let's actually just talk about those goals. So so the eighth minute, I know you might have missed this. But I did, I, I yeah. Um, so there, this is just kind of a bad, bad uh, <laughs> possession from the U.S. M&T defense. Um, basically, no pressure in the in the midfield on that. So Alejandro Yearwood is a left back for Panama. No pressure uh, in the in the final third. Uh, really, between okay, maybe between the final third and the halfway line. Uh, just has all day to line up across, and then Miazga, Reem, neither of them have an eye on Fajardo, who just heads it in. I mean, he basically has a free header and uh, just didn't really look organized. Didn't really look like there was any shot at. Th- defending that and uh just kind of lazy from the from the defense there um yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, i mean i i can't i can't speak to the first goal uh the second goal you know it was more they just stopped playing like you said did you say yeah i mean they just stopped playing because of the offside so um they thought it was offside yeah yeah so Um, i yeah i i don't know i i think again i think I am, I'm hoping by by next spring, neither of these players are starting, especially not Tim Ream. I think Tim Ream has the effect where he really brings down his 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 other center back. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, he I think is constantly in no man's land. I think he constantly he tries to uh, move up and win balls he can't win. And then he leaves his uh, center back partner either one on one or in a compromised position to where it looks like it's his partner's fault. But really, if Tim Reed was in position, uh, they would have they would have had a better chance to uh, defend. Right, right. That is true. Because usually, I mean, yeah. If if you see that your man doesn't have does isn't isn't properly marking the other defender, then you have to go help. But then it looks like neither man uh-huh. is being marked. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And, you know, Miazga, I saw a lot of takes that Miazga, you know, sort of played himself out. He did not have a great two games, for sure. I think I'm probably higher than most people on Miazga after these two games. Um, but but Miazga-Reem is not a good partnership. 
they're both slow. They're both not great on the ball. Reem's probably a little bit better on the ball, honestly. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just think John Brooks is obviously going to be your starter on the left side. So right now... So he's healthy. Yeah. Right now, the two positions that are really up for grabs are striker and right center back. And then I guess you can argue maybe full one of the two fullback spots, whichever way we decide to go. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I guess we're talking about the defense now. Um, so yeah, we'll save the best for last, which is the midfield. Um, yeah, so those two, in my opinion, did, did not play their their greatest games, especially to not Tim Ream. And uh, you know, Tim Ream's a solid player. I just, I, I, he's just not good enough. Well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, yeah, no, I think Reem absolutely, Reem and Piazga, I think actually, when you look at both goals, had a fault in both goals. And right. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what, the way we're counting. So, I mean, even if, you know, I mean, even if they, they, they looked, I think they looked fairly comfortable playing out of the back. I mean, in, the, in this game, and that's fine. I mean, everyone, I think, pretty pretty much looked comfortable for the USMNT. So, so that's good. But, I mean, you got to, you cannot have those kind of mistakes. And, I mean, you, I mean, like, I mean, like you said, um, they were either trying to play an offside trap or thought thought they were offside. But I mean, that's I mean that that's kind of how this game works. I mean, you, you got to know where the guy is. You got to know if they're offside or not. And, and if you are going to play the offside trap, then play it right. Be coordinated with each other. And Miazga Reem and Reggie Cannon, I think, were at fault for that 79th minute goal. For sure, for but sure. It was it was a good finish, but from Pardo though. Um, I, I I don't think it was even a, a trap. I just think he thought they thought he was offside. Which is then, I mean, then that's inexcusable, even more yeah, so. Yeah. I, I agree. I mean, I'd have to go back and, and watch it again. But, yeah. I mean, I, I'm hoping that, again, I'm hoping it's Brooks, Chris Richards. I think that's what a lot of us are hoping for. I think, um, even though Aaron Long's had a pretty terrible season, I, I think he might even be ahead of Miazga. Honestly, I'd like to see Ike Para, but I, don't, I think the ship has sort of sailed on that one. It's kind of like Chad Marshall, right? Like, Chad Marshall was so good at the end of his MLS career, but... Where it's just too late. Um, so, I mean, Ike Parra, I think, is a two-time MLS. He's at least a one-time MLS Defender of the Year in the last couple of year, last few years, and he's been just fantastic. Um, so maybe in, in, you know, I don't know if you saw, but uh, Greg said that we're they're trying to have a December camp that's basically going to be a January camp, but in December. Um, so maybe we'll see Ike, Ike uh, Opara uh, then. Why don't we talk about the fullbacks? All right, yeah. So Gino Des, as we said, started on the left. Reggie Cannon on the right. Um, oh, they were both good great. Idea, good idea, Nihal. Good idea, Nihal. I mean, this is not like a revolutionary idea by any means. <laughs> so I'm just teasing you there. Uh, Reggie Cannon on the right. Sergino Des on the left. Yeah, I mean, I thought in the at the beginning of the game, at the very beginning of the game, I actually thought that Sergino, I just thought he looked a little more comfortable, like, on the right, or I was thinking at the very beginning of this game, he looked he, he looked a little bit more comfortable in the last game, but he definitely eased his way into it and became very comfortable as the as the game went on, linking up with Musa, linking right. up with Reyna, who was then moved to the left after or whenever he moved to the left, and um, yeah, maybe the best player uh, on the national team, Sergio Dest, and he showed yeah. it again today. Well, t- to me, it's I think Sergio Dest is a lot better on the right. And I think in a lot of ways, this this game convinced me of that, um, honestly. Interesting. I, I thought Serginho Dest was really, really, really good today, um, cutting inside. But but what I notice with him on the left is he has a hard time waiting those balls down the, down the sideline. Or down the side. I, I'm, talking about, I'm talking football words now. Um, but do you know what I'm talking about? 
it, it's it's when he cuts inside and he lays the ball off um, to his left. I think he has a hard time waiting those on. Uh, maybe it was just today, but um, yeah, that, that seems like a harder pass it, to generally it, play, right? Yeah. It is, it is. But when you're left footed, that's you using your left foot to play it outside. Exactly. Yeah. So it's you're just pushing it forward a little bit. Um, so I mean, that's the benefit. Obviously, I think I would like I would like to have seen him maybe take a shot or two when he cut in. I mean, he had a couple of opportunities. Um, but yeah, when he cuts in, like he he has so many options. He he could switch he could switch the ball. He could play it to one of our midfielders, which he did consistently. Um, so I mean, wherever he plays, he's going to be one of the best players on the national team. Um, and you know, Reggie Cannon, I think, is probably the second best fullback in the pool right now. So it's it's really you have to decide: Are you going to play your two best fullbacks, or are you going to play arguably your best player in his best position and compromise at the other fullback? And it's not an easy decision. And obviously, you know, you can change from game to game. Um, and I think that's something that Greg is, is still just going to have to figure out. And, and maybe it, it depends on the opponent, like who their right and left wingers are and which side you're more willing to, you know, um, compromise on defense. Reggie Cannon, I think, is probably the best defending fullback or best yeah out of their top four fullbacks let's say he's probably the best defender still i i agree with you on that assessment i do think reggie cannon actually now that i even watched that first goal again he was the one who really should have been pressing higher up and not giving yearwood all day to make that yeah, cross he, he did not he and did, on the second goal yeah he did yeah. not close he did not close that yeah yeah <laughs> I agree. and on so, the second goal he also was at fault so i actually thought dest i mean may, i mean i think dest was able to uh really recover pretty well defensively today and cannon was more out of position but cannon looked really good going forward so i mean if you said uh, you know the 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 thing you're missing the most is dest on that right hand side playing those balls through to reyna or or pulisic whoever whoever it may be on that side i think cannon did a wonderful job attacking on that right hand side too so maybe you wouldn't be missing that much in that sense I just think he's more comfortable because when when you have someone like Pulisic or Reyna cutting inside from the left, uh, you you kind of have them occupying the same space, and then one of your center midfielders, like we saw McKenny making that that run on the left side uh, often today. And I mean, on the first two goals, it worked. Like he 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 was the one playing balls in from the left side of the box, which I mean is fine yeah. if that's what we want to do. But I think having Serginho Dest on the right and making making that run, um, um, and then having one of your, you know having one of your wingers your right winger drop and having Serginho Dest make the run that McKenny was making on the right side, um, I think that might be better instead of having you know both both your left winger and your left back sort of dropping into that space or not necessarily dropping it but occupying that space. Um, but I mean, I thought you know, I thought Serginho Dest was probably the second or third best player in this game. Honestly, um, I mean, he's just so good, and it's so much fun to see him. It seems like with every game he gets better, and I mean, I, I my favorite thing about Serginho Dest is he just does random skills to no one, like just <laughs> just randomly. It's like these guys yeah, you play yeah. on FIFA that are just like doing roulettes at midfield for no reason, and you're like, what? No, is yeah, I, I a couple times like I would. I would, they were showing a replay, and I wouldn't even notice that he did a cool pass or, like, did a skill after he made the pass until after. <laughs> well, what, you know what I said What I said in the last episode is he has that ability to make 
these passes with such subtle movements, right? He barely needs to nudge the ball forward, or he doesn't even need... He can make so many one-touch passes. It's crazy to me. I think, like... And like I said last time, I think that's a real sign of quality in any player. So... Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought Reggie Cannon, honestly, on balance, played really well, but you're, you're right. I mean, I didn't see the first goal, but I did see the highlight, like, right before we started recording, and, and he did fail to uh, uh, press, what was it, Yearwood? Is that who it was, the, the left back? Andre Yearwood, yep. Um, so, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just more so that Robinson did not play that well in the last game. We got a lot of time to figure it out, though. And maybe another fullback comes through. You know, DeAndre Yedlin also still exists. So, I... That is true. He doesn't play, but he exists. Um, It just feels like a lot of these players are just so dynamic, right? Like, just the fact that McKenney, like you said, is able to make those runs down that left-hand side and make those passes, and which can allow Des to sit back more. I mean, like, if we're playing against a team where you're really... Like, let's say Des is playing left back and you really don't want to give up a counter to a super speedy right winger that you can rely on the midfielders to to have that kind of creativity going down the flanks. I mean, it's just exciting to think that there's so many different ways we can we can play it. Absolutely. And I think that's honestly the most important thing. And, you know, I do this, too. It's like, OK, what's our best 11? What is going to be our 11 every time we trot out at the World Cup? Uh, but the best teams don't do that necessarily. So, you know, it is nice to have that 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 flexibility, as you said. I mean, you go through this team. Uh, Serginio Des can play on either side. He could probably even play on the wing. Tim Reed can play left back and center back. Tyler Adams can play pretty much anywhere on the pitch. You know, Weston McKenney, I think, can play any midfield position. Eunice Musa can play on the wing or in the center. So, you know, and Gio Reyna is very versatile, too. So all of these guys, and I think that's when you have, like, that free-flowing soccer is, like, when players are comfortable on different spots on the field, you know Michael right. Michael Michael Bradley never wanted to leave that center lane. Exactly. Which you know I don't blame him, but you know that's he he, he just never did. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. Why don't we quickly talk about Zach Stefan before we get to the midfield? Um, uh, you know I, I don't think he was. I mean he really couldn't do much on either goal. Um, I thought he was okay. Like he had, he had a couple. I think you know he had decent distribution. Um, he had one really nice punch and one like decent save. I thought there was one time in the second half. I can't. I wish I wrote it down. I can't remember exactly um, where uh, when it was, but I thought he could have caught it, but he ended up punching it and giving the ball back to Panama. Um, you know, those are things he can. He can so he only has one save recorded. So yeah, I'd... yeah. I mean, that was a cross. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, yes, he 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 made one decent save. That's kind of what I was alluding to. I, I guess he probably he didn't he just didn't make another one. So I don't know. I I think the jury's still out on Zach Steffen more so than people probably realize. But I mean, he is he is Greg's guy. Um, you know, he he he, you know, when he was in Columbus. And, you know, not to humble brag or brag here, but I was, like, in that locker room, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. I, I was with Greg Berhalter and Zach Steffen. And Zach Steffen, in a lot of ways, was, was the leader on that team, on that Columbus Crew team. And, and he and Zach obviously have, have – or he and Greg have a really, you know, good relationship. And, um, you know, I think, I think Zach has a lot of those intangibles um, where he can organize the defense – 
which I guess he didn't do a great job of today, but um, he can organize defense and he, he sort of knows what he, he needs in front of him. Um, and that's, that's super important. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, you know, Ethan Horvath right now is sort of struggling with his confidence and that, you know, when you're not confident, you're not going to be a confident leader. So, um, and I think the great thing, you know, we'll maybe talk about the personalities at the end, at the very end. But I think just sort of the great thing about this U.S. men's national team is there's no shortage of leaders or personalities or people who you know are going to um, speak their mind on the pitch to, to their teammates and sort of, you know, they, they expect they expect the best out of each other. And yeah, the, and, they the want, pe- and they want to be out there. Right. In the past, who was that? I mean, it was Michael Bradley. Um, he, he, you know, he wasn't that vocal, but he was a leader on the pitch. Clint Dempsey was sort of the silent leader type. Uh, you know, Tim, I, Tim, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of struggling, honestly. Uh, Tim, Tim, Tim Howard. Howard. I think was, yeah. yeah, Tim Howard. I mean, Jermaine Jones, I think, was loud. I don't know how much of a leader he was. Um, so, yeah, but you look at Tyler Adams, Weston McKenney, Zach Steffen, and even Reggie Cannon, you could take any three of those and give him the captain ar- captain's armband and it'd be like, okay, I get it. You know, that makes sense to me. Um, so I-, I really like that about this team. Why don't we get to the best part, the most exciting part of the national team, and especially these last two games, the midfield. So as you alluded to earlier, Tyler Adams was sort of playing that number six role with Eunice Musa and Weston McKinney, um up in front of him. Uh, it was interesting. In the first half, I saw Weston McKinney being the highest man up multiple times. Um, it sort of looked like Musa and Adams were actually playing next to each other in possession and in defense. And Weston McKinney was sort of playing that number 10 role. Uh, there was a time where I saw Weston McKinney being the deepest line midfielder and Tyler Adams and Eunice Musa being ahead of him. So just, you know, we sort of talked about that versatility and their ability to, um, you know, change position. And, and they were able to do that today. But I thought it was, it was interesting to me that Weston McKinney was sort of the creator the creative one in this game. And you can just tell his confidence is so much higher than it used to be with those uh, cross field balls, uh, with his crosses, and with his sort of entry balls into the box. So um, I, 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 they all played, they all played great. They were all awesome, I think. I think McKenny was probably the best. Maybe Musa. I thought they were both really good. I think Musa was more obviously exciting than McKenny, but they both, they both were. Adams did his thing. I mean, he stayed back. He, he clogged the passing lanes. Um, he had some nice recoveries. He did get thrown on his butt once. <laughs> um, yeah. He also uh, had some very, uh, the first half particularly made some kind of dumb challenges, <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, McKenney did that too. Um, yeah. yeah, and but it's interesting just all the different places I saw the midfield in this game. You saw Eunice Musa be on the wing sometimes, making a darting run onto the side. You saw Weston McKinney, as I mentioned earlier, on the left side of the box, uh, on the right side of the box, in the center, highest up the pitch, deepest line. I saw Tyler Adams pick up the ball between the center backs and be higher than the other two midfielders. And to me, that's just so, that's so exciting. And especially when, again, with the crew, when you think about the crew and the positional discipline that those players had, I think Greg, honestly, I think Greg's a good coach. This <laughs> <laughs> whole podcast led up to this moment. <laughs> I mean, but we have seen him, one, talk about you want players in the Champions League. He's not an MLS homer, right? I don't think he, not at all. I don't think he is at all. And, 
you know, he recruited Serginho Dest. He got Musa in here. He's given all these young players their debuts. He brought in Ulianas. Yeah, I don't think we said it off the top, but I think this is the first all-European lineup in a long time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, he he, he brought Ulianas to January camp, right? He brought a European player to January camp. Um, so, but also... I think everyone at the beginning was freaking out because it was Tyler Adams at right back, but that was just him trying something, right? He's clearly not tethered to a system, which is you want someone with tactical awareness and someone who has a game plan, but yeah. they're also flexible, right? Yeah. So you don't want Jurgen Klinsmann, right? But you don't want someone who's just who plays one system and has uh, rigidity in that system. Um, right, you know, I, I it was man a couple years ago. Manuel Pellegrini was talking about Manchester City, and he said the formation doesn't matter; the players do. And then you create the formation around the players, and like that doesn't seem very profound. You're like, duh, but I don't think many managers actually approach it in that way. And but when you're at this level, when you're at the national team level, you can only use the players you have in your pool, right? You can't go out and buy a player that fits your system. So you have to be flexible. And, and you don't have the, the reps to, to teach all the players a system and play it over and over again till it, till it works. Right, right. On the flip side, though, since you don't have that many reps, maybe you want to have some consistency. But True. I, but, but I think, I think Greg's a good coach. I think he gets a lot of, I, I, for me, I feel like Euro snobbery has, has, has had a big comeback. I don't know if you've noticed this. But just like a huge comeback. <laughs> and I'm just like, I mean, it's a rant for another time. We want the MLS to, we want MLS to be good, right? <laughs> like that helps the national team. And just because Greg was a coach in MLS does not mean he's a bad coach, right? He actually was quite good with the crew. And he's clearly shown the ability to change. And he's gotten the best out of these three marquee players in midfield in the last two games. He really has. You know? Yeah. And, you know, it would have been easy to be like Yunus Musa's playing right midfield at Valencia, but he knew what Musa played at the youth level. He knew what his strengths were coming into camp, and he played him in, in this sort of, um, I don't want to say box to box. I mean, I guess it was box to box, but this, this central midfield role where he's really, really, really thrived. So I think Greg deserves a lot of credit. Obviously, he made mistakes, you know, with... Um, Maybe Tim Ream today or, or Sebastian Legett at striker. But I think you got to give your national team coach some leeway when they are trying things, but they're trying things with a purpose, right? How are our wingers and our midfield going to look with a more false nine striker or a false nine uh, um, player, right? And I think it's valuable to gain that information. And Greg acknowledged pregame and postgame this time that they were missing that last time. And he adjusted. And basically, it seems like we're never going to do the false nine crap again. So that's what you want. You want your coach to learn, right? You, you, you know, you have Jurgen Klinsmann on, on one side and you have Mike Budenholzer on the other side. <laughs> like, and Greg seems to be right in the middle. <laughs> right now, at least. Yeah, no, Absolutely. I will say, I mean, yes. Yeah, I will definitely give credit to Greg for adapting and trying new things, and but clearly understanding the philosophy that he's trying to implement and when he changes, you know, executes it for the most part well. At the same time, we do need to, I think, wait until qualifying sure. and make sure this team gets results before sure. we kind of 
congratulate anyone. No, no, no. I, I know. But it's encouraging, right, to see that growth. Yes. And we have never seen that as in our time as a U.S. men's national team fan, right? We just have never seen it. I mean, I we started watching in 2010. Bob Bradley got fired a year later, so I don't really know what... And I knew nothing about tactics back then. So I, I, I can't really tell you. So it's exciting for us to see, like you said, we do have to do it. We have to, you know, we have to do well in qualifiers. Um, but, you know, the, the thing with Greg, right, is pockets of space. That, you know, the amount of times I had to transcribe his press conferences and type those words, pockets of space, <laughs> that's what he wants. He wants players popping up in pockets of space, playing the ball quickly, and exploiting... Um, exploiting open space that the, that the opponent is leaving. And no matter how we achieve it, it doesn't matter as long as we do that. So if you think Tyler, if he thinks Tyler Adams is going to be able to do that from the right side, right back in a certain formation, and then sort of, you know, playing central midfielder um, in possession, then that's what he's going to do, right? If he thinks that, you know, if, if he thinks that Serginho Dest on the left, he's going to be able to do that more. That's what he's going to do. So that is his number one thing. How are we going to exploit space against the team we're playing? Um, so, uh, you know, th- and I think that excites me. That's how I want to play. Because you start there and then you start to make the runs off of the players. And then you start to add the individual creativity. And you have a free-flowing team like you saw today. Yeah, absolutely. I, Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's super. It's exciting. It's 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 the most it's the most excited I've been in a while. Maybe <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, ever. yeah, definitely. And and that's I mean that's one of the reasons I'm back doing the podcast. I mean that's true. Not that not that I wouldn't want to do it anyway, but I mean it's 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 exciting to come on and talk about these players and this midfield is probably one of the best midfielders we've seen from the U.S. in a long time. It, it, oh, um, what do you mean? It's the best midfield. <laughs> I mean, even though these guys, what's their combined age? Like under sixty? Like, <laughs> uh, well, actually, maybe, yeah. Actually, I think yeah. it is. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean it, it's true. I, yeah, I, you know, I think the th- there's always been sort of a weakness in our in our midfield, no matter what sort of what we did. But when you have players like this that can, to me, right. To me, and this is also a hot take, for a long, long, long time, I thought it should be Weston McKinney as the six and Tyler Adams as the more box-to-box midfielder. Uh, because I think Tyler Adams just doesn't get a lot of credit, but uh, in terms of his box-to-box play. But, you know, I think this really works because Tyler Adams, he's about, you know, he's about sort of cutting off those passing lanes and McKinney can sort of recover quickly and win the ball back. And then, you know, Musa, it's sort of the same thing we were talking about last time, but like Musa can, can pick up the ball and just run at anyone. And McKenney had a couple of incredible runs too. Um, all of them, all of them need to improve their final ball, uh, their final pass, especially on the ground from the center of the pitch. There's a lot of passes that hit the defender's foot. Um, and I think that's true for Uliana's too. I saw that multiple times. Um, I, I, do, you, do, you, do you know what I'm talking about though? Like they... That final ball definitely does need to right. improve, but they're young. I mean, Eunice Moose is literally. I, I've already seen so much improvement from from McKenny. I mean, Weston, I just 
he I think he's turning into my favorite player. I mean, I, I talked about this in the last podcast. Work rate, incredible. When, just goes in for challenges. It doesn't matter that it's a friendly. He was playing this game like it was uh, like a like like it was a World Cup game. And yeah. but also his passes look more crisp than ever. Um, maybe I mean, and I, I I'm sure maybe he's learned some things at Juventus, learning from Pirlo. And I, I I just I'm just so impressed with him. I mean, is there? This is the best I've seen Weston McKinney look in a U.S. men's national team shirt, and it's not even close. Yeah, well, I think. Going to Juventus, he has positional clarity. He knows what his job is. And he has the confidence in himself to know that he is the caliber of player to be recruited by and playing for Juventus. So I think that that all that combined is he, he he's not just running like a chicken with his head cut off, which is what he had been doing, right? And what he really was doing for Schalke. Um, he was sort of doing everything. Now he has a defined role. He's going to lay the ball off. He's going to play a couple of cross-field passes for Juve, and he can apply that passing ability into the game while also having a more um, uh, intentional and uh, disciplined defensive play style, in my opinion, where he knows that he has Tyler Adams to cover for him so he can um, recover and then make a challenge instead of, you know, obviously he's a little bit reckless sometimes, but I think that has more to do with him defending his teammates or whatever um, yeah. than, than anything else. But that's that improvement is really encouraging because I thought, you know, for the past two years before this move, I was not ready to give up on Weston, obviously, but I thought maybe he had he had definitely hit his ceiling at Schalke, right? Like, it was not doing him any good. I feel like he hadn't really improved in the past two years. I don't know if you feel the same way, but now to see this kind of improvement... Right. It doesn't huge. need to be linear, but it, it has to come, and it did. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then why don't we why don't we spend, you know, a minute or two just gushing about Eunice Musa? Um he is so exciting, man. I don't even I don't even know who he reminds he you know you know okay, this is this is what I was this is the player I was trying to he reminds me of a better Musa Sissoko. Like that's that's who he reminds me of. I don't know if I you agree with that. that. Yeah, I can see that, yeah. And it's not because his name's Musa. It's literally it's it's the way it's the way he, he just powers through I he's powerful in the midfield in that like he can win the ball and just shoulder off people. But he's also just so technically gifted, like, and that's just such a hard combination to have. Um, and I think he's he's a better technical player than than Sissoko, which is why I'm saying a better version of Sissoko. And I know there are midfielders who exist like that, but for some reason I can't think of any of them that sort of do that. You know, even like even like Decore a little bit in those first couple of games for Everton. That's kind of what he he looks like, except more attacking than, than Decor. Right. I, I think you can, you can totally see that he's plays on the wing for his club, right. but can still handle. He can still make a challenge when he needs to. Can still play those quick one touch passes when he needs to. But when you need that attacking spark, he's there. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I think sometimes you can see that from there. There are different types of players, but I think Darlington Nagby has shown that before. Um, right, in the center of the pitch. I think now more he's more so of like lay it off. Um, you know, like Iniesta when he was playing center mid, he used to do that, right? Like he used to pick up the ball and just be able to go forward. Obviously, his right. passing ability was otherworldly. So I mean, yeah, I'm not comparing the two players in terms of ability right now, but it, it, it's sort of being able to pick up the ball and just 
and just be that powerhouse or that engine. I'm just I'm just naming chemistry styles in the midfield and and play the ball forward. Also, it's funny. So I, was, I actually I just pulled up Sofifa just to go and see like if I could find a comp player just like going through because you know. But 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 just. Just pull up Sofifa for a second, Sal. Just just type in Sofifa for a second and look at their front page. Um, but he he obviously, I hope he chooses the U.S. I I think this is about the best that it could have gone. Right? He played well. It seems like he enjoyed his time. Um, Gareth 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 Southgate. <laughs> Did you pull it up? Yeah, I just pulled it up. Yeah, there's a lot of Americans in the front yeah. page. <laughs> if you scroll down, it continues. Um, <laughs> But, uh, um, no, but Gareth Southgate already said he would love and is hoping that Musa plays for England. So it's it's going to be a battle, but this is what you wanted to do. You wanted to bring him in. You wanted to have him start, develop a relationship with those other two midfielders. And to me, you know, when you have Weston and, and Tyler in the midfield with you, those guys are fun. And maybe this is the time to talk about the personality that I was talking about earlier. If you watch, like, their Instagram videos or whatever, like, they just all get along. They all have a really good time. They're all young, right? So they're serious on the pitch, but they're not so serious where it's, like, you know, Michael Bradley scowling after the game. Um, Or, you know, they are... I think it it probably helps that a lot of them have similar stories. A lot of them were born in the U.S., grew up for for some time in their lives, moved, moved to Europe... To join an academy in their teenage years and they all i mean I, i'm sure they can relate to each other partly because they're all the same age too or similar ages yeah but also i think they're all just like fun I, people I, yeah they're fun people and and people our age i think have an easier time connecting online like we know they play fortnite together um you know they were the on the broadcast they're talking about how the players in the netherlands you know they meet up and and they they you know, go to the park or whatever. Um, so there also are more players in Europe now, American players in Europe, that you can build those relationships, right? I, I do wish we had... So, I mean, we do have Serginio Dest and Conrad de la Fuente in Spain. And so um, maybe, you know, now, you know, the the Catalonian contingent of the U.S. men's national team can sort of get together and, uh, you know have uh, uh, with with Musa and sort of develop that relationship and, and continue to be in his life and be like, you know, we're going to be a part, uh, you know, we're going to be, yeah, we're going to be a part of that community. Also, I know, yeah. I know Valencia is not Catalonia technically, but you know what, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I, I do know what you mean. I, I just really hope that he, he picks the U.S. <laughs> um. Yes, I, I also really hope he picks the U.S. too. Um, but I, like I said, I think this is the best it could have gone. Why don't we quickly talk about the subs? Because, you know, they deserve some credit too. Um, the subs that came, Timothy Weah and Johnny Cardoso came on together. Richie Ledesma and Sebastian Soto came on. And then Sebastian Legette and Chris Richards came on. Um, obviously, Sebastian Soto uh, um, scored two brace. goals. Yeah. Yep. And then Richie Ledesma had two uh, assists and dude, I've been telling you how high I am on Richie Ledesma, right? Like I love, love, love Richie Ledesma, um, and you know he he comes in, he makes his debut for PSV Eindhoven, he has an assist. 
A week later, he has his debut for the U.S. Men's National Team and has two assists. He just yeah. he just makes stuff happen, right? And if Musa's not there, he's the guy. He's the guy that's going to be playing there, in my opinion. So it's not bad. It's not a bad option. Obviously, you'd love to have both. Um, Sebastian Soto, I think, still has the ability to become the best striker in this pool, and you kind of see it, right? He he he's just good. He's 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 clinical. Um, what did you think of those two? Yeah, I mean, the, they both paired on the 83rd and the 92nd minute goal. Uh, Ledesma had that had that beautiful cross to Soto on the 83rd minute goal. That was probably the best, be- maybe the best pass of the game. And in the 92nd minute, Ledesma plays a different kind of ball, a more long kind of switch fields type of ball that really goes, that goes over the head of uh, Mosquera and... So Soto's there to finish it. That one was a bit more of an easy header for Soto than the first one. But, um, yeah, I mean, they both linked up. They both scored. And, I mean, it's hard to do that when you're when you're coming on and you only get a little run and you and you get two assists and two goals for each of those players respectively. So, I mean, what, what more can you ask of them? I mean, in the, in the time that they were out there. Exactly, exactly. And those are the two two guys in the Netherlands. Hopefully, you know, uh, Sebastian Soto is in the Eris de VC. He's owned by Norwich. And we needed him. We need him to play, you know, and, and for the U.S. Men's National Team to be able to get a work permit. Um, so, you know, that's something that needs to happen for him to be able to play in England. I was not a huge fan of the move, you know, going just to be loaned out, but you know, because I think he can play at a much higher level. I think he could easily play in the Eredivisie. But you know, uh, he 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 he's scoring. He's scoring goals, so that's what matters right, right now. Um, Ledesma also, you know, I, I, like I said, he made his debut. Hopefully he can continue to uh, show some some promise there. Timothy Weah, I thought, you know, he, at the beginning when he first came on, he just, he couldn't, he wasn't, he, he looked rusty. He wasn't sharp. Um, but I think in the last, like, five, ten minutes, he looked good. Like, he looked like the old Timo Weah we saw before his injury. Do, do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. He was definitely progressive. I thought he was always looking to get forward and be part of the attack. Uh, yeah, I mean, he didn't, like you said, I think he really eased into the game as it went along. I still don't know what his best position is either. Um, so I, I, he's, he's sort of a victim of being versatile. What were you going to say? What do you think? No, no, no. I was just going to make a joke. <laughs> and then I decided not to. Ah, okay. That's that's good podcast content right there. Um, Johnny Cardoso again. I thought you know, I thought he looked good to me. He's like he's what I call a shuttler. He just he he picks up the ball and he passes it forward from that deep lying position, um, and you know kind of like a discount Sergio Busquets. Um, well, Sergio Busquets can obviously hit a long ball because uh, he's used to be fantastic, but. Um, you know what I mean, though, right? Like he 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 gets the ball and he he passes it to the to the guy in front of him that's forward. Um, right. He I looked, do think he did uh, play a minor part in the 79th minute goal. Yeah, he did. Uh, where like it looks like he was in good position to win the ball back from Ayarza, and then just like it's got a touch on the ball, but then let let the ball just go through him basically, and uh, which allowed. Uh, Omar Brown had to set up Fajardo on that last goal for Panama, but um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I think he's better yeah, suited to. Ha- I think he's better suited to have a better another deep lying midfielder next to him rather than two midfielders right. in front of him. Um, so, but he 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 shows he shows he's 
I don't know. He he shows some promise. I I mean he could be he could be a valuable player off the bench going forward. Sebastian Legit came on and he scored, you know, a header. Um and you know, he's just a solid solid player. I, I like people were crapping on him after the last game like he should never play again, blah blah blah. Like what is wrong with people? Like <laughs> I don't know, whatever. Um Yeah, no. I, I do I do not think he's a bad player. I I, I didn't like him starting at striker as we discussed, but like right. I said at the beginning of the podcast, he had a he had a striker's finish in this game. <laughs> right, and frankly, he's probably the second best player, American player in MLS right now, behind Jordan Morris. Um, so, I mean, not including Darlington Nagby. I think I would love to have Darlington Nagby in this team. Um, and then Chris Richards, uh, Chris Richards, I almost said Chris Richardson. Chris Richards um, was the final sub. He made his debut. He looked good. He looked solid. I mean, he didn't really do, have to do anything, but he was solid. And that's what you want. He didn't look like he was out of his depth or out of place. I mean, this is a guy that started for Bayern Munich. So, I mean, at right back, albeit. But I, I, I would have liked to see, like you said at the beginning of the podcast, now that I think about it more, it would have been nice to see him start this game. Because Tim Ream, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's on his way out. I mean, Chris Richards. What? We know who he is, right? We know. Right, exactly. Yeah. So... I, I think the the problem was it wasn't a choice between Chris Richards and Tim Ream. It was a choice between Chris Richards and Matt Miazga um, for that right side. So, you know, I, I think as long as we don't have a second left-footed center back behind John Brooks, I think it's going to be Tim Ream. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't really care that much. I think you can play two right-sided, right-footed center backs, especially if they're both really good, but... I mean, especially if you just have one that, you know, of the quality of John Brooks, like, I don't think, you know, you need a backup for that. But, you know, Tim Tim Ream, I think the idea was that Des is going to be on the left, so he can sort of cover, but he can't cover, so. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, any other thoughts on this on this match, Sahil? I, thought, I mean, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, no, it was really fun, good result. Uh, I was getting a little worried after that early goal from Panama, but the U.S. definitely responded and responded very quickly. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the next international break. This uh, this was overall positive. I don't think um, – I, 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 so I, I don't think many players' stock went down-down. Uh, I would say Anthony Robinson for me. <laughs> I mean, he only played in against Wales, but like – Conrad, maybe. Yeah, Conrad. I'd say. And then maybe Miazga. But I, these aren't players that don't deserve to ever be called up again, obviously. No, um, of course not. Of course not. Um, you know, Robinson has been really good for Fulham, and he just has to translate that to this level. Um, and, you know, again, there was no Christian Pulisic. Like, that... We scored six goals without Christian Pulisic on the pitch. That's not, that's, insi- that's not insignificant. This is true. This is true. Yeah. It, it, it was it was a very it was a good international break. Learned a lot, and it's good to just see the U.S. back out there again. But like I said, I'm, I still don't want to make any proclamations until we can uh, get get some results in qualifying. Absolutely, that March man. I think March is when when we're playing next. So it's going to be a long three months. But we got um, lots of exciting club soccer to watch with with these guys play, with, with these Americans playing. In, in exciting games and Champions League games in some cases. So it'll be fun. Yeah. Yep. And hopefully, you know, we have Eunice Musa as the next, as the next dual national um, playing for the U.S. in the next competitive window. 
It's going to be a fun yes. summer, though. It's we have the Nations I, League, we have the Nations League, we have the Gold Cup, and we have the Olympics. So there's going to be a lot of U.S. soccer this summer. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I think if you get Musa, you get Dest. I mean, you can't feel that bad about Jonathan Gonzalez after that, right? Oh, dude, what is it Jonathan Gonzalez does done? Exactly, exactly. But I remember people being so heartbroken about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a different it's a different place now. I mean, I think I would be sad if Richie, Richie Ledesma chose Mexico, but we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. I mean, Timothy I Way Timothy Way could choose Liberia. Sebastian Soto could play for Chile still. So, I I mean, I, those guys though, it feels like they're pretty committed. It's, it, same with Gio Reyna. Like he was like, I can't wait to play with these with these guys again. Like Gio Reyna is not going to play for England, so. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot that that was even in question. I mean, technically, yeah. <laughs> I think he has a. I think he has another, another eligibility too. But whatever. Whatever. All right, man. Should we wrap it up? I think. I think I don't have much more to say about this match. Yep. Yep. I think. I think we get. That's about it. Um, you can email us at soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail Follow us on Twitter, Instagram at soccerbrotherspod for those handles. Like us on Facebook. Uh, leave us a review, a rating if you enjoyed, or if you didn't enjoy. And uh, yeah, thank you, thank you for listening. If you made it this far, thank you guys so much. As Sahil said, leave a review, follow us. I don't know why I'm reiterating everything you're saying, <laughs> um, but 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 do but do all of that. Do all of that. We'll see you guys next time. We don't know when that's when is that even gonna be. Uh, I mean, maybe we should we maybe uh, next Monday we can try to get a podcast out after watch maybe watch a couple Americans next weekend. Ooh, I like it. I like it. I, we're just, you know what? We're, we're, we're just we're yeah. We're we're leading into it. We're we're an American yeah. soccer podcast now. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we some... could also watch one just like high high octane. Uh, is that even the right word? Is that is that what that means? I mean, no. kind of. It could. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just like two. Uh, you know, great teams playing or something, an exciting game on the slate, and along with a couple of American performances. Sounds good, man. All right, I'll see you next time. And I'll see you guys next time. Thank you guys for listening. <laughs>